Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass means it's time once again for Fangraphs Audio. Hello, I'm Carson Sestouli, and this is another episode of Fangraphs Audio. While we might say that one purpose of this podcast is to discuss analytical questions with our Fangraphs writers, and perhaps another is to have conversations with those already well-established in the sabermetric community, and a third is to make the acquaintance of those whose work with which we might not already be familiar in this case, such a person is David Rohr. David Rohr is co-president of the Harvard College Sports Analysis Collective. And in what follows in our conversation, uh, we discuss the collective, uh, some of its history, and also some of its current projects. We look at Mr. Rohr's own personal path, both to baseball fandom and the collective itself. And finally, we try and answer the question, will all of the members of said collective uh, become GMs in Major League Baseball? The answer is probably yes, but we don't know that answer to that question and more uh, on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. It is Fangraphs Audio. As I've said in the introduction, today we're going to get to know David Rohr from the uh, Harvard Sports Analysis Collective and or the Harvard College Sports Analysis Collective. Uh, we may or may not address that particular topic as to whether the college belongs there. Uh, however, without any ado whatsoever, let's let's get to meet David Rohr. David Rohr, you're there, I believe. Is that right? Yes, I am. Right. You're you you are a co-president, if I'm not mistaken, um, of the the Harvard something. Will you say the name, and and then I'll see see if you say it right. Well, I, I we we like to go by HSAC for short, but our official our official name is the Harvard College Sports Analysis Collective, and we're the Harvard College because we're we're an undergraduate group, and the Harvard College is the, is the undergraduate part. But we were originally the Harvard Sports Analysis Collective, and that was a mouthful as it was. So now now, now that we have the the five word title, we we just like to go by the HSAC acronym. HSAC. Now. You, so it's strictly the, the the group is strictly for undergraduates, but you also have uh, you definitely have uh, some sort of like graduate oversight and also professorial oversight. Is that correct? Oh yeah, yeah. Any anyone anyone can join. It's just that it's under it's undergraduate run. We have plenty. We have two graduate advisors. We have graduate students, postdoc. You know, professors come all the time. People from you know other schools in the area. It's all like the the uh, Harvard Extension School or, or MIT. Pretty much anyone's welcome to welcome to come. Well, actually, so that's sort of an interesting thing because I know um, obviously Harvard is in Cambridge. I'm not saying that I know that. I'm, that's an, that's an aside. Um, Harvard is obviously in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And additionally, I know that uh, at least two other sort of uh, things that sort of fall under the uh, the umbrella of of sports and analytics have unfolded in that area, and one of them is the uh, now pretty famous um, MIT Sloan Analytics Conference. Um, and the other thing, I don't know what, the, what to call it, but I know that there have been, um, I think, a couple of analytics-oriented uh, um, classes at Tufts. And so I'm curious, before we get into even what you guys do specifically, um, is, there, um, has, is there any sort of uh, interplay between you and those two other entities? Um, with with Sloan, uh, we 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 go we go every year. We we bring a we bring a large group of, of people to the conference, and we're well represented. We're well represented, but not not really beyond that. Uh, with Tufts, we know their their club that was that's kind of associated with that class. It's called uh, they're called uh, uh, Tufts Bat, 
and we we've had a uh, we had a uh, pub trivia night with them a, a couple of years ago back when I was a freshman. Oh no, well that's interesting. You had a pub trivia night when you were a freshman. That seems. If I know anything of Boston, it's that it's hard to get into a bar if you're under 21. Yeah, well, it's it, it was the uh, it's the Queen's Head Pub, which is the which is the bar directly below the freshman dining hall at, at Harvard. So that makes it that makes it easier to uh, to get into. Oh right, very interesting. I didn't even, I didn't realize that that was the case. You know, that's yeah. a good that's a good thing generally. Now I assume you're over 21 at this point. No, no, not yet. I have my birthday is July 21st. Oh God, so that's so close. Yeah. Oh yeah, three weeks. All right, well that's nice. It's a nice birthday to have. Yeah, I summer birthdays are uh, on the on the one hand though, like especially when you were when it, like when I was a kid, like in grade school, like there was never anyone around on your birthday, which kind of was a drag. But, right. No. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's terrible. I've seen uh, the twenty first birthday. I mean, is good. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Although you should be cognizant of the fact that it's the last interesting birthday, and you just start to feel bad after this. Yeah, I I kind of I'm slowly realizing that. Yeah. I guess I guess I guess that itself is the process of aging. Right. So we realize that your birthdays are more and more of a of a bad thing. Yeah, they're sad. Yeah, you just get a little bit sad and teary. And so I just turned 31, and really the day was spent moping, just moping, mm-hmm. and and crying. I I watched uh, watched a number of Lars von Trier films. Oh God. Anything that was anything that was cold and, and Scandinavian. <laughs> did you watch any? Did you watch any Um, no. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I just watched. Yeah. I just had Breaking the Waves on repeat, like one okay. night. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, but all right. So let's let's talk about sports uh, briefly. <laughs> let's talk about the collective. I think it's actually um, now there was there's a pretty good profile of the group um, by Ben Cohen uh, that was up at I, I guess it's called uh, Post Game, but it seems maybe part of Yahoo as well. Is that true? Yeah, it, it's a it's a joint it's a separate magazine online magazine that's like that's a, a joint venture between Yahoo and another company. Right. Okay. And that w- and that was from uh, February this year, and that gives that gives a pretty good profile. And certainly, people, um, anyone who's interested um, now or, or sort of you know at the end of this conversation, uh, you know, I would definitely direct their attention. So that, you know, lest we repeat ourselves. But I think there are some things there that uh, merit some uh, merit some follow up or just to give context to this particular conversation. The group has been around uh, not for a hugely long time. Right. So, what year is what year is that? How did that start? Uh, well, we were we were founded in uh, 2006, uh, and we it was a kind of, it was a smaller club back then. It was basically not that we're particularly big now, but the 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 club was basically the board, and the and the idea was that you know that you know it would be it would be it would publish you know, scholarly papers uh, with with you know with the help of a faculty advisor and. Uh, We've kind of gra- we we do intend to continue doing that, but we've kind of gradually shift, shifted away from the publish a paper once every year, every couple of years, and more more to the uh, the blog format. Right. Well, and that's actually sort of interesting. Um, and and uh, I want to sort of pick up the the structure of the of the collective um, momentarily. But a, a curious thing about Sabermetrics is that a lot of it has taken place online. Obviously, there are some seminal texts, right, in like. Uh, Bill James' early uh, baseball baseball books and almanacs and uh, Moneyball and probably Tango's the book, but a lot of the research and it makes sense, I guess. Um, and it's sort of the cool thing about having a community that sort of mimics the academic community, but without a lot of without a lot of the politics necessarily. 
yeah. and maybe a little bit more democratic in that you know the credentials are basically in the work as opposed to you know some of the stuff that might come along with academic publishing, um, even sort of you know blind stuff. Um, yeah, the, well, the, the interesting the interesting thing about the I do feel as though there's there's a gap that that gap between the uh, academic side of this and the uh, and like between the sports economists and the and the on and the uh, and the people online. I I do kind of wish that would close a little bit, and I, it does seem to be because I think I think sometimes you have uh, just just as an example, you know, economists will often. Like the things that economists look for in a in a in a good paper is different than the than the stuff that you know you and me would look for. It's like uh, you know they they could use ERA as as their you know independent variable, right? And it could still be a you know a perfect you know it could be still be a perfect paper you know from the economic side. Yeah, and so and then we would use we would use you know exit or whatever, and then it wouldn't. And, but it, it could still, you know, not have the same, you know, not have the same, uh, have the same cash with them. Right. That's interesting. And so, so, it, and another thing it seems to me the difference is is uh, speed. Um, I mean, obviously. So you guys have had at least a couple, a uh, couple uh, papers published in the, uh, is it the the journal for for quantitative, uh, uh, the journal for quanti- of quantitative analysis in sports. You guys have had a couple. Mm-hmm. Papers in there. One on yep. uh, park factor estimates from back in 08, um, overtime potential uh, overtime results uh, from 2010. Um, how, what's the sort of turnaround in terms of from the date that you you know finish the paper and submit it to you know to when it's published? It's it's a it's a lot of work, and even and those that those two at least have the advantage of. Being part of uh, a sports analytics conference, a biannual sports analytics conference at, at Harvard, where there's a poster competition. Both both of those uh, papers originally appeared as as a poster at a conference in September uh, of of the year that it was published. So the the work on the um, I don't I wasn't in school at the time the Park Factor thing was published, but the uh, the overtime paper. The discussions of it started um, probably early second semester of that year, so probably somewhere around February. The the work, uh, I mean, there was pretty consistent work from there until September when they when they made the poster, and then the real the real meat was the actual right was the actual writing of, and revising of the paper to, to be submitted, and that was I can tell you. I mean, I I wasn't. Um, I wasn't a co-author of that paper, but I, I uh, one of the uh, former my uh, former co-president uh, last year, Jake Fisher, was, and I, I can tell you that was that was a lot of work for him. Right. So, so in terms of, I mean, that's interesting that even writing a, a paper is a collective process. Um, what? So it starts in 2006, and I imagine you must have started what uh, 2007 or eight. Uh, the uh, the club or me. Uh, well, both. I guess the the, the collective started in, in. You said it was the collective started in '06. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I went. Uh, I was a freshman in the in the fall of '08. Okay, in the fall of '08. And so, did you join immediately then? Yeah, it's actually it's a funny story. The 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 way I actually heard about them was uh, I I went up to Harvard for an info session purposely on the same day as the uh, as the sports analytics conference. 
and I had no idea that the, that a club like this existed or even could possibly exist. Like I, I would have, like I just assumed that this is something that because uh, I, I mean I didn't know anyone who anyone who had this interest in high school other than me. So I was kind of surprised to find in like a critical mass of people at the school that would could actually form a club. So that was that was actually that was pretty cool at the time. And so I knew about the club from my senior year in high school. And so. I was, you know, I was right through the right through the door on the on the first meeting in uh, in September. So what's been, um, I guess, what's been what's been, what does the club look like in your time there? And I mean, has it, you know, has it grown? It seems like you suggested that initially it was just the uh, the board, and it's kind of grown. I, I'm I'm interested, sort of, in, in how the face of it has changed or stayed the same. And I'm also interested in, and this may be just the entire rest of the interview. Is what a, like a meeting looks like because I know that when um, Fangraphs gets together, it's really it's it's a uh, it, it's a, it, it's unfortunate the, the faces <laughs> of everyone. It's <laughs> I you know in those cases where I'm the handsomest person or close to, uh, mm-hmm. that's a bad sign. Uh, so I'm cur- I'm curious if it's uh, if you guys have the same problem. Well, uh, well before before I address that. Uh, <laughs> We, um, I, it, it's going to, it's going to stay, uh, a small club. I don't really see any way that it, that it could get really, really big just because the interest, you know, it's a, just a really narrow interest level. You know, there, we have, you know, 1,700 undergraduates at Harvard. How, how many of those are going to be interested in sports statistics? Like, uh, even, like 16, 1650? Right, yeah, all but all but maybe five or six. Right, oh yeah, 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 right, 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 right. And then, but but then the, the trouble is getting those people to a meeting. Yeah. But we have, <laughs> uh, my, I guess my my freshman year, I would say that I, it, it's a difficult question uh, that I wish I, I had a solid answer to, just in terms of how big the club was. In our in our smallest meetings, probably ten people. In a, like a more average regular meeting, probably fifteen to twenty. In the yeah, and just sit, sitting around the table. And our largest ones will be when we had a uh, when we have a guest speaker. Our, our largest meeting was probably when we had uh, Anthony Gonzalez, the uh, wide receiver for the Colts, last year. And we, you know, we we packed uh, quite a few people quite a few people in that room. Well, okay, but, wait, 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 all right. So let, we'll get to the meeting in a second. What you had Anthony Gonzalez? Yeah. What does he? What does Anthony Gonzalez talk about? Well, it was it was off the record, but he talked about um, just. The, mostly his career in the in the NFL. It wasn't it wasn't a particularly statistical discussion. It was uh, it was more just I think it was more elucidating just to you know listen to the experience of experiences of a, of a player in, in the NFL than how specifically you know analytics had had affected him. So, but how does that come about that it's Anthony Gonzalez as opposed to any other athlete? Gonzalez was actually he was taking a course at Harvard Business School designed particularly for athletes uh, at the time, oh. and we, we and we heard about it and we were able to get a hold of him and we asked if he would uh, come speak and he was he was nice enough to it all it all happened over the course of like a few hours we didn't even know that we would be able to we we just assumed it would be an ordinary meeting and then like we we found out either that day or the day before that we were he was going to be able to speak. Okay, so so. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez, um, you know, tight meetings aside, we're talking. You said somewhere between ten and thirty, or uh, is that about right? 
Well, probably more like uh, ten and twenty. Ten and twenty. All right, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm not judging you, Dave Roar, or the <laughs> or the H sec. The um. So what do you do? You call everyone to order. Do you read the minutes from the previous time, or is it just like you just have like some Fritos in the middle of a table and you talk we, about we, like you see the game last night? We have we have Popums, not Fritos, but but that's 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 other than that, that's just that's pretty much accurate. We we start by. Uh, Going around the table and usually like with some kind of like an icebreaker question, like it can be anything like, you know, like what's what's your favorite athlete scandal to, you know, your your favorite your favorite author to, you know, your your the least the worst the worst game you've ever seen in person, something like that. We try to be vaguely creative, but because uh, when I'm usually when I'm in charge, it usually doesn't work out that way. Right, I could yeah, I but can then, already I can already tell that. All right. Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and then after that, uh, it's it's much it's it's much more like did you did you see the game last night? I think um, the the best idea the the best ideas we've had most of them have been pretty organic. Just you know when you talk uh, when you talk about sports with a group of people who are interested in sports statistics, you, you don't need to start talking about um, you know whether someone is going to regress to the mean or, or what you know what their or some particular statistical concept you can talk about you can start talking about the game the same way the same way anyone else would but then you and then but then the questions you ask are inherently going to be different and more analytical and if they're interesting enough then you know you can kind of you can flesh it out into a, into a study you know that's interesting so so what i hear you saying is that and, and this section might be sort of representative of where the you know what we might call the sabermetric movement or the you know the, the you know the analytic movement has come is that you know ten years ago it was very self conscious right it was like and, and frequently polarizing to ask um, questions you know for which quant you know uh, quantitative measures would would provide the best evidence right right but it sort of seems like what you're telling me is that you sort of you sort of trust yourself to have that tool. But it's not necessarily like it's not necessarily the first thing you the first question you ask. You try, it's like one of the tools in the toolbox. Yeah, and, and and sometimes it backfires. Sometimes like we just have a normal conversation and, and and nothing productive happens. But sometimes those conversations also you know can be the most fun. Uh, I and 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 they're also and the more and the less and the less mathematical it is, the the less esoteric it is. The more likely we are to involve a lot of people and get a lot of different voices in, mm-hmm. because once you once you start getting on a particular topic, you know it's going to be a few people who have expertise in that particular area who are going to be doing the brunt of the work developing it. So before you get to that point, if you can get, you have more people talking, more that's a better potential for uh, for ideas. I mean, sometimes we'll start off a meeting with um, with like a particular thing. Like uh, I remember one one time last year, I passed around the. Uh, some you know financial documents, and we went when we just when we spent like the first half of the meeting going through them, uh, from you know from a from a baseball team just to see what it what was actually going on. Oh right, uh, is that last year when uh, was it uh, that's been published the, uh, the yeah. various financials of right right right? You could yeah. sort of see the uh, the the sorted underbelly of revenue sharing. Yeah yeah that kind of thing. Right right right. So a couple um, questions that obviously reveal themselves. Do you you guys have uh, wear blazers with crests? I assume is that right? Well that, no that's not nearly pretentious enough. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the top hat monocles. Yeah uh, right right right. So you all look uh, like the guy from from Monopoly. Yeah. Roughly that's, speaking. That's that's accurate. But okay. we're in better shape than that than that guy. Do you meet in a uh, mahogany paneled room? I think I think we. 
God, do we? Um, it's been a few, it's been a few months. It's an it's a very nice room. I will say that it's it's like it's in one of the residential houses. Okay. And do you, uh, do you sit yeah. around? Last question with regard to that. Do you sit around a Harkness table? Uh, I don't even know what that is. Oh, did you not go to a private boarding school? I I didn't. Oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah. Wow, David Rohr. We might have to cut this short. No, the, right. no, the Harkness table was invented at uh, Phillips Exeter Academy. Oh, okay. Um, and it's uh, it's used it's used at boarding schools. Um, it's like a it's just essentially an oval table. But the idea would be to have, um, you know, like two like the two leaders of the discussion at either kind of uh, you know as pointy as the end of an oval gets, so mm. that there was no like. It wasn't like so everyone was catering to the teacher. So a har- I mean, I'm not saying that it needs to be like that, but uh, is it you know having a Harkness table is just like kind of a no-brainer if you're going to be sitting around having a, a, a preppy conversation. It's it's a uh, it's a rectangle. Mm. Uh, it's maybe I would say about a twice as long as it is wide. So you know you could put you could put ovals shaped things on the end and make it look like that. Uh, if if we needed to, uh, I think we if you know just to just to put on airs we could do it. Yeah, well I'm just worried that like an inspector is going to come around and be like, hmm, right, you guys yeah. are not acting like aristocrats at all. No, yeah, that that would be. I, I I like the idea of that though, just like some random person in a in a tuxedo going around and making yeah, just sure. expecting. Right. Um, yeah. Well, okay, I'm only going to be annoying about certain things for a couple more minutes, um, and then I'll be less annoying after that. Um, it's hard to okay, so it's impossible to deny the fact that that your uh, collective has the word Harvard in it, or that you all attend Harvard. And that, yeah. Harvard, well, we don't, we do not all attend Harvard. That, oh, that's that interesting. Much. So, what is, yeah. no, tell me more about that. Well, just just that we have um, just in terms of you know pe- people who go to other schools like the Extension School or, or MIT are, are often are allowed to come to the meetings. Okay, so, right, right, right. But it, but it is it is Harvard undergraduate run. So. Right. So I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not going to escape from that. So so Harvard obviously has its own mythology in, um, in in culture, right? I mean, obviously. And then additionally, it has a sort of uh, mythology in, uh, you know, as regards baseball and front offices. Um, you're probably starting with the fact that Paul D. Podesta went to Harvard. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, a number of other people in front offices now go to Harvard. So I'm curious. I mean, is this a thing? Is this something that someone like a D-bag like me is more apt to make a deal of? Or yeah, I think so. Oh. <laughs> uh, I um I we don't we have um we I got we we've had people uh, come speak who who uh, who who went to the school and now and now work in front offices, but uh, the the. The Harvard, the Harvard name itself, in relation to to sports analytics, I don't think comes up very much. I mean, I, I won't lie in terms of you know, in terms of you know, publicity and and trying to you know g- get our name out there, it certainly doesn't hurt. But in terms of the actual operation of the club, I don't think it really really affects it too much. Uh, tell me a little bit about um, some of your comrades there, and 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 I. This is, of course, I should say that this. The fact that I'm interviewing you is not to exclude someone um, whose name I may or may not pronounce correctly, which is John, uh, maybe Ezekowitz. 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 That was close. I, I thought that was one of the conditions that I would be that I would be a guest, though, that everyone else would be excluded. 
Right. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I guess I didn't make that clear. Um, awkward once again. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's certainly. Um, um, so yeah, I'm sort of curious as to as to this this kind of gang you have. Like, a, um, I, on the one hand, I assume just you know the fact that y- you know th- this this is probably all, it's at a point now where it started before. The, you know the uh, the collective started before you all arrived, so there's obviously some tradition and some culture to it. But I also I assume that it's very much informed by um, by the individuals who are part of it too, um, and it wouldn't exist without that. So I'm curious yeah. as to like some of the characters that you're working with. Like if we were gonna make if we were gonna make like the kind of big Hollywood film, like who would who would be the the major characters, and um, what would be like you know like the, the uh, their main their main character traits. We have uh, John. My John is my is my co-president, and at the moment he works. Uh, he does some work for the Phoenix Suns. He's working. Uh, I forget where uh, in the city at the at the, at the moment. Uh, he's uh, he's a big uh, college basketball guy. That's what, that's what he's really interested. In. He's also a junior national Scrabble champion. National what uh, sort of champion? Scrabble. Oh, weird. So he's just. He's really good. At Scrabble. At yeah. Scrabble. Yeah, we had we had a he's he's in my in my house in my in my dorm and we had a uh a dorm wide Scrabble tournament. Uh and the first year he 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 participated in it and won. And I think I was the only person who knew that he was a ringer. But Oh man. Uh, uh I bet he can make it not fun to to play against him. Yeah, I wouldn't. I never have. I don't really want to. I'm not good at Scrabble anyway, so I, I wouldn't like. And and that and that something like that is different than like going up against, say, like a poker champion. Provided that there wasn't money on the line, you know, there's some there's enough there's some inherent luck involved in something like that. But if you if you if you're good at Scrabble, it's like there's no way you could. I mean, the I guess the letters maybe give you some luck, but if someone's significantly better than you, you're almost definitely going to get your butt kicked. Yeah. I don't see any way around it. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't see any way around it. All right, so, so who's it, uh, who else do we have in terms of uh, characters here? Well, we have, uh, I guess we'll, be, we'll have new ones just because we, we had uh, a few people graduate, but we had uh, our, uh, my previous, this is my second, this is my second year's president. My first year, uh, my co-president was uh, Jake Fisher, who, uh, He's in. He's more into the uh, economics, the sports business side. He's working at. Uh, he's working at Bain now, uh, or probably will will start soon. Um, also, we have our our graduate. We have our graduate advisors who they were also co-presidents of the club and they stuck around because they both went to the law school. So we we they just uh, they come they come back because in the in the three hours of spare time that they probably have. I don't I don't understand how they have any. Any free time at all? Law, law school scares me to death. No, that sounds yeah. terrifying. But and didn't I read? Yeah. Did I read about someone who is both in the law school and also in like a, a PhD program at the same time? Um, um, not. Um, those people definitely. Those people probably exist, but there. I don't know if there are any. Well, I, read, I was reading. Sorry, I was reading uh, on your website. So th- this could be uh, maybe it's dated or not. But Xander, Mar- but, someone named Xander Marcus. He might, yeah. Oh, yeah. Xander might be. I don't. That would that would make sense. I don't even keep track of the degrees everyone is getting because I would just feel inferior. Yeah. Right. So, would you say that uh, besides the fact that you're president, inferiority is a is a thing you feel often? 
I have a yeah, I have a major inferiority complex. Um, but I I do try and you know make myself feel feel better than everyone else because I have low self-esteem. Smart, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would assume that in that case that you would definitely sort of rule with an iron fist as president. Right. Yeah. And punish no punish just the pettiest of uh, or you know the smallest of, of indiscretions. Yeah. Well, maybe you know I, I could. Like, I'm thinking like I could. You know, like if you had like speaker power, like back in like kindergarten, where everyone would hold a ball, yeah. and they were allowed to talk. Like maybe I would institute that, but with a string that I would be holding, so that I could then yank it and then talk whenever I wanted. Uh, this is just something I'm, I'm thinking of right now. You uh, just that, shoot, that, you're that, shooting that, from the hip. You telling me? You're yeah, just, yeah, yeah. But but I think that's a good idea though, because I could then you know if someone was going to sound make a uh, contradict me contradict me correctly, I could just take it back and they wouldn't be allowed to talk. That's right. probably the probably the only way that could. Uh, I could probably get away without saying something wrong. <laughs> um, now I want to I want to rewind a little bit and, and get to sort of your personal story. Um, how how did this happen? That like I guess what was your sort of path towards towards your interest in you know uh, in analysis you know quantitative analysis et cetera? I mean, does it start with being I, you're from New York, and so I'm worried you're a Yankees fan. That's that's true. Oh man. Sorry. Yeah, another huge faux pas. It's not that. Right. Uh, uh, of course, I grew up in the Boston area, and I'm a Red Sox fan, or have been a Red Sox fan, not not sort of a vigorous one anymore. Um, <laughs> but um, but I still have like, and maybe other team, other fans from other teams have just like a like a deep abiding disgust for Yankees fans. Yeah, I mean, I un- I understand it. I mean, I <laughs> I I'm a Jets fan, so I understand that that's the Patriots and. Right, right, right. Well, it's not the uh, it's not quite as long the uh, the sort of relationship, but so yeah, but I, but I, but I get it though. You I, get it. I think I, get I, it. I think I get it. Okay, you get it. All right. Well, we'll trust that you you get it, David. But so you so I, ho- I hope so. So you started off so so given your age, given your age, I'm guessing, I'm guessing you've never really seen a bad Yankees team. The closest would be 2008. That was the one year I have followed them, and they didn't make the playoffs. Right, didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would like before you before you ridicule that though. <laughs> I am a Knicks fan. Okay, yeah, and okay. A, and a Jets fan. Okay. So that they kind of they they balance out the the success. Right. So so where does the baseball where does the baseball fandom start, and then uh, how does that become a, an interest in in the, the sort of number side of things? Um, I think I started. I first, no one in my family at that point was a particularly big baseball fan. Uh, I think I, I only started following them on a day-to-day basis in '98. I think I started following them through the New York Times more than that was the year that I started reading the paper. I probably started watching them as a result of having having read the paper. Were there uh, particular? Were there particular? Uh, I mean, I would say I have. I would say uh, probably um, uh, so. Sort of white. Liberal, middle to upper middle class um, Americans. What's that? Join the club. Yeah, right. They, well, it's like the New York Times is is a is a difficult text anyway, even if you're not from New York, right? It, because it's like this is the thing you're supposed to read, but also it's like um, simultaneously disgusting that 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 that's the thing you're supposed to read, right? That's sort of this bizarre re- required reading. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I never had that. I don't really have a love hate relationship with the Times. I just kind of love it. I don't. Maybe that's. I you should, should start. Like you, should, you should practice self-doubt and see how that feels. Yeah. 
<laughs> what? Uh, so, so were there? Was it just the, the way that they were writing about it, or is it just the, like the reportage? And you're like, oh, like I. That was the paper that was that was delivered. I guess you know it was the paper that I just had around. I mean, I would. I at that point, it's unfortunately not true anymore. But at that point, I would just read almost anything. Uh, and but I I started reading the paper just only the sports section. Uh, I think the first time I read anything other than the sports section was the day that Clinton was impeached because mm-hmm. I remember the text was really big and I was like, oh my god, that's really big text. Yeah. So I think I, I think I read that. That was the first time I just, I read something outside of the sports section. Yeah. But um, mostly like uh, be, be, the biggest the biggest draw for me was the was the box scores and the standings. I would I would have that I would have that memorized. Not not actually memorized, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't want to give you like that weird like that weird kid idea but like uh it was pretty weird regardless but um it was you know i i yeah. poured over that every day i could tell you you know you know david Cohn's one you know win loss or whatever whatever they were whatever they were using and i would i would know all the statistics which i would later learn were very bad statistics uh but that that's probably where my interest in in analytics really started though just from from box scores and, and stuff like that, really not not any different from anyone, uh, you know, twenty years earlier, even forty years earlier. Right, essentially, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess pre-internet and, and pre, um, well, no, I, it's not necessarily wait, you know, before the internet, but before the um, the sort of more advanced metrics became easily accessible. Um, that's sort of what you would have been dealing with. So then, what I I, I know that uh, Moneyball. Played a pretty big role in that. Was that the first time you were really exposed to it, or was there another thing? I think it was. It was. A, I read Moneyball and and Bill James, one of Bill James's abstracts from the eighties, uh, right around the same time in eighth grade, and that and that really did it for me. Uh, I was I was already planning on like it, it's it's kind of it's just the kind of thing where this the seed just needed to be you know this I think it just the seed just needed to be planted like it was. It, it would have happened, you know. It was going to happen at some point, just because I was so I was just so interested in the numbers, and this was a way where I realized, wow, I could I could really do something with this. I mean, and at that point, I didn't, you know, the mo- literally the most advanced thing I could do was division. Uh, but I started making my own stats. Uh, they weren't they weren't very good, but they were. Uh, it was basically like a kind of like a modified OPS. The first thing I did was like in, in eighth grade, and I did that because I. I did really bad on a math test, yeah. and I wanted and I wanted uh, extra credit, so I asked the teacher if I could like produce like my own power rankings yeah. for uh, for for teams, and uh, and that's what it, that's what I did. I uh, I did that, and then as and it, it just kind of snowballed from there because you you start thinking about the game that way, and then you 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 start real you know you get the side projects like you start thinking about what's actually important, what actually creates a run, what creates a win, that kind of thing. Not not necessarily that advanced at that point, but just, just that line of thinking really started to happen at around that time. Right, yeah, you, and you start practicing it. Um, and then, and, and so I get, so I, I assume that that's that just sort of, as you say, it's it snowballs uh, up until the point where you get to Harvard. Now, um, a curious thing about that is, um, <laughs> and maybe it was maybe it was how it was phrased in, in Ben Cohen's article, uh, but one of the big sort of questions or kind of bold, bolded statements is that uh, the collective is essentially uh, per, is essentially like now going to be it maybe maybe tongue in cheek, 
but producing producing uh, you know tomorrow's front office members or I, GM, or GMs. Oh, we uh, that was probably that was a little tongue in cheek. I think we cert we certainly hope so, mm-hmm. uh, but you know we will. It's it's in that it's I think it's the goal of a lot of people in the club, obviously, because if you're interested in this uh, uh, at at our age you at least are thinking about working for a team. Uh, and if you're thinking about working for a team, that's probably the eventual goal, especially also at this age that you, that you have in mind. Uh, I would I would love it to death if, if one of us uh, was eventually running a team, you know, 20, 20 or 30 years from now or whatever. But that was, uh, that's that's more of a, of a hope. But, you know, if, if the club, if the club, uh, if the club sticks around for, for that amount of time, I'm sure we'll have our, our share of people who go on to become uh, important in the uh, in the area, even if it's not uh, even if it's not this batch. So, so I'm curious about that though. And in, in, in obviously, you can only speak for yourself in this uh, instance. But is it is it your interest to um, to work with a team, or would it be more as, as like a, a commentator or, or sort of you know third third party analyst? I um, I I'll, I, I'll Speaking for myself first, um, I just ha- uh, I used to really want to work for a team. At this point, I'm not really so sure that that's what I want to do. Maybe eventually, but the the thing is that there it the number just looking at it the num the sheer number of incredibly qualified and brilliant people who are going after the same job that you are and would absolutely kill for it. Uh, it's you know you, you can it, it's it's just it's just tough, and then you have and then you, and then with that, you have the the low the low pay, low job security, low chance of of getting a uh, you know lo, low chance of getting a promotion. If it was any one of those things, but a combination, you know. And then, and then if if you know if it's the if it's the work you're if it's who knows if if what you're actually doing if you're lucky enough that the the work that you're actually working on for a team is something that you're you're going to be interested in. Either there are some people who I think just the prospect of doing anything. Would uh, just the idea of working for a team alone would be really cool for them. But uh, for me, it's more about like I, I think it's more about the the process than than who I'm doing it for. Mm-hmm. I think I'm I have like my my interests are just as wide, but it's more about I think that the the work that the the specific work I'm doing than uh, you know whether whether I'm whether I'm working for a team. So. So what is the? I mean, you know, to the best of your, you know, from what you could tell, what at this point is is I guess the uh, is the future of the collective because it seems to have, you know, if if uh, if maybe not necessarily all 1,700 members of mm-hmm. of your class or or uh, your college are uh, members of the club, um, at least it's 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 grown to some degree uh, yeah, and definitely. might continue to do so. Uh, I hope I mean, so. Yeah. What is the sort of what is the sort of ambition? You know, like you know, what would uh, what projects would you guys like to do if you know if you if you had the opportunity, or what sort of opportunities are you trying to create? Well, um, within the club, I mean, we're trying to we're, we are trying to find those types of jobs for our members. We're trying to find also areas in which, like as a club or as a group of people, we can do work for a team, like a, on a kind of like a consulting for a team type level, or or for like a, a data analysis. Organization or, or some, something along those lines. That that's that's one area that we're 
that we're looking to to expand in. Uh, at the at the moment, um, it, I, I don't want to say that we don't have uh, that we that we are kind of it's the blind leading the blind. And we have no idea where we're going, but uh, you might get that you you might get that impression talking to me. But uh, <laughs> the uh, I I think the to some to some extent I want to see I don't want to restrict us to anything just because the the in, our we've kind of exploded in the last in the last couple of years in a way that we couldn't have anticipated. So whatever whatever opportunities come along for us, you know, in, in the next couple of years, we'll we'll be sure to we'll be sure to act on them. The thing is, though, that we are at this point we are we're kind of stretched to our limits. We have everyone is a full time student, and most everyone else I would probably say has a extra extracurricular commitment that that tops eight sec. Right. I would say that's, that's true. Not maybe true for maybe the, the people on the board, but it's true for, or maybe even some people on the board, but it's true for probably everyone else. Just you know, every, everyone's involved in something or other. I'm on a, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a team. I, we have a couple other varsity athletes, and people are writing for the newspaper and all that kind of stuff. And that on top of the schoolwork, uh, and it all kind of tends to happen at the same time. You know, reading period and uh, finals come around, and no one has any time to to work on anything. So there's a limit given our size and that those kind of restrictions to to what we can to how just the quantity of work that we can actually do. Right. Now, um, I know that uh, uh, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the names Jonah Carey and Rob Nyer. Yes. Uh, they they are frequent practitioners of uh, of what I have referred to as one downsmanship um, <laughs> in which they'll say uh, about people who are young and talented, uh, we'll all be working for him someday. Yeah, I, I like I I love when I love when people say that because little did they know what well, like people said that when when that article came out and I was thinking to myself little do they know if this is the high point of my career it's all going to be it's all going to be downhill from there right I well maybe your career just, but could you yeah. I mean like do you do you foresee a situation just like where one of like if one of your colleagues were to be you know to get like a, a cushy front office job that mm-hmm. maybe they like a like a kind of hirsute Italian man that they would have space on the front office for him. Yeah. Oh, you're, are you talking? You're talking about yourself here, not not Rob Nyer or Jonah Carey. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about them. I'm oh, okay. out for number okay. one. You were you were just using them as hypotheticals. Um, right. They well, talk I'll, about the term one downsmanship, but I'm not worried about them. I'm worried. Right. About oh. Them. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, um, I will say yes for them. Good. It's binding. Uh, they yes. if if they listen if they listen to the podcast they'll they'll hear about it. If not, um, I won't tell them. And if they get that job, I'll just kind of—I'll just spring it on them at some point. Okay, uh, very good. They'll have—they'll have to take you. It doesn't matter whether there's space. It's—it's a—it's—it's—it's it's, it's in the bylaws. Yeah, your bylaws. I get it. I get it. Um, so, all right. So, before I let you go, Dave Roar, is there anything that—that that, uh, as a host I've omitted uh, to mention or ask you about, or just something you—you you care to plug? Because this would be the appropriate time to do that. Oh well, uh, our blog, which is only sporadically updated during the summer, uh, or kind of vaguely operating during the summer, is uh, harvardsportsanalysis.wordpress.com. Uh, at the moment, I am a Deadspin intern. That's where I'm doing most of my, that's where most, I'm doing my analysis work for the summer. So you, so you, uh, so you do fewer pictures of uh, Brett Favre's genitalia and more baseball analysis? Yeah, although we, we we did, we, we had a thing with, we had, a, uh, we still do everything with Deadspin where we would do, we like, Analysis for them, and we did do like the year in injuries 
and you know how many we just to to every body part, in, in, including including that area. So, <laughs> There, we had we had the diagram and everything. I don't think there were I forget explicitly how many penis injuries there were, but there was whatever, more than however, one penis, like it, or te- testicular. Uh... There were there were a few, like however many. Or there weren't that many, but however many it was, it was enough to make me slightly uncomfortable. Right. Well, I know I remember. Um, I think the Chris Snyder one from last year or the year before. Yeah. Um, he had, like, oh, when there's the guy who's the the hockey player who dove and body blocked a slap shot and got like a ruptured testicle. Oh God, I yeah. did not hear about that, and that just sounds, yeah, that sounds that was terrible. The, that was the worst. That was the, one of the worst things I've ever heard. Yeah, right, right, really right. Bad. Yeah, it does make you uh, it does make you cringe. To just to but then, but then we made a, a happy joke post to heal the pain yeah. of his ruptured testicle. <laughs> yeah. Humor is uh, known, at least per Reader's Digest, to, to be the best medicine, or maybe laughter. I, who else are you going to trust? Right, Reader's Digest, you mean? Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought you meant. Yeah. Good. 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 Uh, hey, well, listen, uh, Dave Roar, it's been uh, it's been great having you on, learning about uh, you a little bit, learning about the um, the collective and uh, what sort of things you guys are up to. Um, I, I hope. Uh, I wish the um, well, I'm lying when I say I wish all of you the best of luck. Um, but because because I'm a Yankee fan, or just like or a, a whole bunch of different reasons. Oh, yeah, 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 just a whole bunch of different reasons. But oh. I'll say that though. I'll say I wish you the best of luck, and I just won't. Yeah. On the inside. Okay. Uh, but no, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and, uh, and thank you for joining us on Fangraphs Audio. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. That has been Dave Roar. I uh, have been. We'll continue to be Carson Stooley, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. Uh-huh.